Hi, this is Stu Hynek, author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, The Untapped Selling Power of Contact Marketing, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer in 2016. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Stu Hynek, and we're going to talk about his book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, the untapped selling power of contact marketing. Stu Hynek is a Wall Street Journal cartoonist and Hall of Fame nominated marketer who discovered the magic of contact marketing early in his career when he launched a contact campaign to just two dozen vice presidents and directors of circulation at big Manhattan-based magazine publishers. That $100 investment resulted in a 100% response rate, launched his career, and brought in millions of dollars worth of business to the publications. Stu is the host of Contact Marketing Radio and founder and president of Contact, a contact marketing agency, and co-founder of cartoonists.org, a coalition of famed cartoonists dedicated to raising funds for charity, while raising the profile of the cartooning art form. Stu, congratulations on how to get a meeting with anyone, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. And let me start by asking you, what's a cartoonist doing writing a book about sales? Well, Doug, that's a great question. And actually, you know, the thing is, I discovered early on in my career that Cartoons are just an incredible device. They're the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers, according to readership surveys. And if you think about the nature of humor, humor is about truth being revealed in a twist. And so you can see that in our, everyone can see that in their own lives. We laugh at something and then we say, oh my God, it's so true. It is like that. Or I know someone like that. I've been through something like that. So cartoons have always been this device I've used to produce actually starting, I mean, when I started out direct mail campaigns and against the advice of David Ogilvy and others that you might've even had on your show. I don't know, but they, <laughs> David they all Ogilvy? Said, no, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? But, um, but that, that humor doesn't work in, in uh, advertising. It doesn't work in direct response and they're just absolutely wrong. Well, it is one of the hardest things to do. And that may be why they really recommend yeah. people not do it. Well, you know, you're a stand-up comedian too, and you know, if, if these guys were, I mean, if they, if they had said, if they had advised people never to tell a joke, for most people that's going to work. But you know, comedians know how to do it. <laughs> right. it you know, it's like a completely different reaction. Well, so so the thing is, I, I I discovered really quickly that humor was working. I my I wanted to produce or, or create direct mail campaigns for magazine publishers. You mentioned it earlier in the in the introduction and. So I, my first two assignments came from Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit magazine. And, um, and, and lo and behold, those two test campaigns, again, using cartoons as the device to pull people in, they, they beat the control for each of these. Mm. That's a home run. That's huge. What that means is, I mean, the control is, is this statistical control that they test against. So it is the best thing. You're, it, 
the best thing they've ever mailed, the most effective thing they've ever mailed. If you tie it, you just tied the record. Yeah, that's like that's, when you go to the baseball stadium and it says, hit this sign and win a car. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. And I hit it twice. Yeah. And and so I thought, well, okay, now I need to need to bring it to the rest of uh, of the publishing world. So I, like you said in the introduction, um, I produced this campaign that I mean it was a, an eight by ten suitable for framing. I, I, I should put that in quotes because really all it was was laser printed, but <laughs> but you could put it in a frame. Right. <laughs> Therefore, it was suitable. But it, it was a personalized cartoon about each um, VP or, or director of circulation that I was reaching out to. And then a letter just explaining, yeah, this is the device I just used to to beat the control for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit magazines in, their, in two tests. And we should put it to the test for your titles. Mm-hmm. And, How could they not respond? Well, they, they, I, that's a good question. I don't, they, none of them fit into that category. They all responded. Yeah. It was a hundred percent response rate. And, you know, being coming from the direct marketing, marketing world, you know, you expect a one percent response. Actually, that's not really true. There are all kinds. It depends yeah. on the, a lot of things, but people who for, are selling something besides direct response advertising or printing. Uh, they will tell you the response rates are much lower, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> like, like radio or, or TV salespeople. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, you hear that number all the time. That or used to, when people talk about direct response, a one percent response rate is a really good response rate in direct in direct mail, and and you know, then you also hear those same people saying hundred percent response rates are absolutely one hundred percent impossible. Mm-hmm. And um, and but there it was, I, I using the cartoon device I broke through to all of the people I wanted I needed to break through to and and not only that but all of them became clients and and I often tell this story and say it was worth millions of dollars it was not well it was worth millions of dollars to them it was worth millions of dollars to me too Mm. and it all stemmed from a campaign that I spent less than a hundred dollars on to put out there well so what I discovered was that Using my cartoons, I could break through because I thought, well, I've just got to find this out. How far does this go? Who can I reach? And so I ended up reaching presidents, prime ministers, celebrities, and really countless CEOs, C-level executives, and top decision makers. And so I think this story is starting to take shape here that, that uh, you know, I'm not just a cartoonist. Uh, I'm also a marketer. And 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 I'm I watching. Think you're a marketer who doing. happens to be a cartoonist. It might be that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be the other way around. But you know, I'm watching what this is doing and the effect it's having. I, I'm just amazed. But and you know, at one point I thought, well, isn't that cool? I have a secret weapon. I can break through to just about anybody. The pivotal moment came when I I realized, well, you know, look, I'm not the only one who's facing that problem and solving it. So what's everyone else doing? How are they doing it? And I started looking out there and finding story after story of these audacious, incredible, can- I mean, I love audacity anyway, but it's just, they're, they're, it makes such entertaining stories. Yeah, and, and for the listener, oh, I just want them to understand, this is not a book about how to use cartoons to get into people. It is no. just one no. example, which happens to be yours. There are, the book is chock full of all these other tactics that people can use so don't be mis you know uh led by the yeah. the 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 idea of a cartoon you're just using that as one of actually several examples um yep. but let's let's get to a definition here what is contact marketing well i defined it in my book as a fusion of marketing and selling so specific marketing campaigns designed to support connecting with specific vip prospects 
mm-hmm. you know, CEOs, C-level executives, and top decision makers. And the idea is that you only need a few dozen of the right high-level relationships to start really changing things in your life and in mm-hmm. your career. If, mm-hmm. you're, if you sell for a living, you know, pulling in a few dozen dream clients is going to change your Sure, it's going to change your career, and and if you if you own a business, if you start connecting with even if you're in, let's say you're a startup, you've got to connect with people, a lot of different kinds of people, urgently, and um, and if you have the ability to do that, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really, that's the idea behind it. Yeah, there's one part of the book where it's uh, you describe micro focus campaigns to break through to specific people of strategic importance often against impossible odds to produce a critical sale, partnership, or connection. Yep. Let's, what are some examples of other contact campaign tactics and, and methods? If you could maybe walk the listener through some of the other types of things. Sure. Well, you know, I, I'm, we mentioned in the, in the book, I've got 20 categories of contact marketing campaigns, but I can simplify it a lot more. They're really, there's sort of four groups. So there are gifts and visual metaphors, free and nearly free, um, media, insight, exposure, and events, and then over the top. Oh, great. Actually, let's, let's you know, and actually, there's a four. fifth one. There's a new, there are new ones that are popping up all the time that I'm, I'm discovering as I talk to people. Well, let's walk through uh, those five. Sure. Um, so, so gifts and visual metaphors, they include art, humor, and film. And, you know, the use of, my use of humor, I mean, I use these giant, I call them big boards, but the, they're, um, 18 by 24 inch, quarter inch thick foam core. Essentially, they're giant postcards mm-hmm. in this custom corrugated packaging that the whole thing gets delivered by uh, FedEx or UPS. And um, so you know when it arrives. You know, I, oh, it's it arrives, and it's, there's a whole lot of uh, it, it's an event when it arrives. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. take it out, and and on once I always call it the front where the cartoon is, but there's a cartoon about the recipient. Cartoon is very cheer- carefully chosen. You and I know humor pretty well, and so you want to steer it based on the thing that they say. Oh my God! But that's so true. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, and then the, um, the the reverse is where there's a, a message from the sender to the recipient explaining why this proposed meeting or, or conversation should take place, and and those things have produced response rates as high as a hundred percent as well, and so that's an example of using humor. In um, in contact marketing, but there are also gifts, regifts, and half of a gift. Mm-hmm. Gifts are pretty self-explanatory. Regifts are gifts that people uh, receive, and are they're meant to be given away to someone else. So an example would be um, something that Bridget Gleason once did. She used to send these uh, boxes of, let's say, half a dozen mugs that say "Top Producer," and she accompanied that with a letter saying. You know, I'm sending this to you, and you might want to use these mugs, given away one once a, one a month to your top producer, and hopefully that'll start helping create a change in the in your sales culture. But if it doesn't, we should talk more about my consulting services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and they do give them away; <laughs> they become awards every month. So that's that's pretty cool. And and half of a gift, you know, we've probably heard sh- stories of the left shoe being sent to mm-hmm. someone of, of a nice pair of shoes that actually fits. Now, is that the holdback device? No, well, yeah, actually, the other half is a holdback device. That's true. Okay. Um, holdback device is, is the device that, or a, a, a thing that you offer when, to bring to the meeting, for example, or send afterward mm-hmm. uh, as a result of agreeing to the meeting. So it's an incentive. But so certainly the right shoe right. Would, be, would be an incentive because mm-hmm. then, then you don't have to wear them and just hop. But, um, 
that or maybe sending a, a the remote control model of a Ferrari or a drone or something like that, and you if you send it, but you don't include the remote control device, and you offer to bring that when you meet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like those quite so much because I've heard stories of people saying, "Okay, I want to get the remote control," um, but so telling their assistant four minutes into our meeting, I want you to come in and tell me that that phone call I've been waiting for has come in so that we can get him out of the office. Yeah, years ago, my media director, he got these two Palm Pilot cases. Hmm. And he gave one to me and he said, hey, come into this meeting and we're going to get Palm Pilots. (laughs) (laughs) And did did that call you were waiting for come in? (laughs) No, no, no. We listened to it. And I still remember the name of the company. I don't even know if they're still in business, but I remember... Uh, paying attention, but deep down inside, I thought it was kind of a bribe. It's yeah, it's a, it's a bribe. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like those so much, but there is one one that really really stands out. That's visual metaphors. Um, and do you know Dan Waldschmidt? Well, Dan Dan's a really interesting guy. He's 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 a uh, an extreme athlete. He doesn't run marathons. He runs hundred mile races. He runs them. <laughs> and he wins. This guy's amazing. Yeah, I was in the but, army with a guy like that. He had been in special forces, just to tell you the kind of person that is. That is, I mean, super competitive, and, and, which is good because he's also one of the top sales bloggers. He writes edgy conversations and uh, and a book called Edgy Conversations. And wow. the, but he, but his his primary business is that he's a turnaround specialist, and he has this really really amazing method for breaking through to prospects for his for his business. What he does is he. Um, he combs the paper every morning, the business, you know, business news, for stories of missed earnings estimates. And when he finds one, he has this beautiful sword made up. And th- these swords are made by the prop maker who made all the swords for the movie Gladiator. They're, oh, they're just, I, I remember this from the book. I just didn't remember his name. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, this is great. And so, and so, you know, you, you know, edgy conversations. There's an edge, uh, you know. He's an, and he's this guy who runs hundred mile races and wins, and he's always talking about being competitive and winning so there's this really knife's edge sort of aspect to his personal brand i see what you did there and it's well, it's nice right i mean and so so the sword makes a lot of sense and and what he does he has he has the the ceo's name engraved on the sword and then an inscription if you're not all in you're not in at all and he puts all of this into a this beautiful felt lined mahogany box and then into the box goes a letter handwritten letter by the way a lot of handwritten letters show up in these these campaign uh, stories. So the letter says, um, you know, business is war and I noticed you lost a battle recently. And I just want to tell you that if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back. Now think of the audacity of that. He doesn't even say who he is or what he does, what the b- name of the business is. None of that. It's not branded that way. It's branded differently. He's a person. And he's shown up in a way that the, that this executive really needs to hear from someone these things produce essentially a hundred percent response rate. I'm sure some of them didn't call back, but mostly they call back all the time. And, and that's not to say that he sells every one of these people, but when he does, every assignment is worth a million dollars and up. So he he can easily justify the thousand dollar cost for each of these swords. Yeah, he could probably do them in gold. They work. <laughs> he could. That's true. I mean, and, and still and still get a pretty good ROI there. Yeah. Well, let's walk through. What uh, touch on some of the others that uh, you mentioned? Sure. The other four. Yeah, so free and nearly free, we're we're talking about specific uses of the tools that are really part of basic selling now. But so phone, email, social media triggers, Google alerts, the mail, I mean, just snail mail. And just one quick example of using this 
specifically to reach a CEO might be using an email, send it to them on a early, early on Saturday morning mm-hmm. and no more than two lines. It can't be a long, you've got to respect their time. The reason why early Saturday morning timing works is because usually they're checking in. They're, they don't have a, a full inbox to deal with. It's the weekend for God's sake. Mm-hmm. And they're just checking in before they start their weekend. So a two line thing actually can can and does, but I've used, I've used it too. After I heard about it, I tried it, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. And another time would be Sunday evening when they're gathering their thoughts for the week ahead. So either way, a very brief email can 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 work wonders, and it's free. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. You know, let's let's pause for a second and define CEO as explained in your book, because it's not always the chief executive officer. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, I don't mean to say that we're always going to the chief executive officer. So you could, I often will use the CEO as a, as a, a euphemism for the center of enterprise opportunity or maybe the, the critical enabler of opportunity. Right. And, and, you know, really Anthony Iannarino. He's got a book coming out this fall. I hope to get him on the show. Oh, you should. He's he's brilliant. Maybe he's put a, a good guy. word in for me. Yeah, I will do that because okay, <laughs> nice. you need him on the show. Your your audience needs to they need to hear from him. But yeah, but he 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 said it beautifully. He said, "You want to reach the CEO of the problem you're trying to solve." Yes, That's which it. in most instances that came to mind as I was reading the book, it's not necessarily the chief executive officer. Yeah, it's not. It's you yeah. Know, sometimes it is, and yeah, a lot maybe. of times it isn't. Yeah. Yep. So that's 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 why. Yes, that's my my reference to CEO. Mm-hmm. So you 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 had asked about those four or five yeah, categories. Yeah. So, so I just touch on some of those others. Next one would be media inside exposure events. Well, you know, you and I are doing an interview, and and you and I both know that I have a show too, and it's a great way to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, usually after the show, there's a you get a chance to have a quick conversation and thank them for being on the show, and and uh, and that conversation is magical. Because they'll, this when they're most open to saying, what else do you do? And uh, gee, we got to figure out how we can do business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So those yeah. are great. But, um, but you know, they're also using books and articles as contact devices is terrific. Right. And books, what about the person that hasn't written a book? Well, um, well you I talk ha- about that. I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm an author. And, um, and so sending my own book works. And I, I also write a lot of articles that pop up all over the place. Mm-hmm. So sending my own stuff is great, but you can also send somebody else's book. I mean, you, really the point is you want to reference something in the book or the article. Don't just give them the book. Right. Say, Here, kind of have to this. have a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think a lot of people might think, oh, but I'm not a cartoonist and I'm not an author. And it's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. You don't you have just, to be an author to send a book. Yeah. You just, you, you just need to make a point. You need to provide something that is of value, something that's relevant, um, something that humanizes you. Mm-hmm. So obviously the cartoons do that really effectively for me. Mm-hmm. They humanize me immediately to someone. But, you know, it, I, the same thing happens for my clients. It's not just because I'm the cartoonist. It's just sending these things helps you stand out from everybody else who's just kind of trying to reach you in a pretty spammy way. Yeah. So, um, so that works. And, and I was going to say video, there's a story that is really interesting, um, about how the no wait app was launched. It was, it was launched. No wait app is a, is an app that turns your, any smartphone into one of those, your table is ready pucks that some restaurants use. Mm-hmm. So you can register for a table from home. You just register from your phone and you're now in the waiting list. Yeah. And, instead of having to show up and start yeah. the shot clock. 
Exactly, sitting around in the crowded, over overstuffed waiting room, mm-hmm. bar, um, and, uh, so they can drive up their bar uh, <laughs> revenues. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll, you'll buy drinks anyway, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, you know, waiting around isn't one of the things that people like to do. So, so when um, when they launched the app, they they came up with this brilliant plan. They and they also thought really small because their launch campaign went to only just thirty people, but these were the CEOs, literally the CEOs of the top 30 restaurant chains in America. And what they did was they, they produced this, this campaign that was a, a, an iPad. This was in 2010 when iPads were really quite novel, but they just, they'd just come out. So, mm-hmm. they, they, so they sent these iPads in custom packaging and each iPad was preloaded with a personalized video from Rob Meyer, the, the founder of No Wait, to each CEO that they were reaching out to. And then it came with this really simple set of instructions. <laughs> Turn the thing on. That was step number one. Step two, tap the video icon. That's it. And so so then the video starts out. There's this interviewer walking up to a restaurant. Let's say rest, Red Robin restaurant. And it's Saturday night. It's busy out. And he's wearing a hidden lapel cam. And he walks up to the host desk and he says, how long will it be for a for a table for four, an hour. You can wait over there. Okay, so he goes over to the waiting area, and he starts talking to the patrons, asking them, "Well, how long did he? How long did they say your wait would be? Ugh, an hour. How do you feel about that? Ugh, I hate it." So that was the first segment. Second segment just explained what the what the no wait app is, what it does, how it works, and why it will be so disruptive to the restaurant business. And then finally, in that third segment, Rob Meyer talks directly into the camera. To let's say Stephen uh, Stephen Har- Carley, the CEO of Red Robin Restaurants, and he's saying, Stephen, I love eating at your restaurants. I hate waiting an hour for a table. We need to talk. Mm. Well, that that campaign generated a seventy five percent response rate, and has resulted in twenty of the top thirty restaurants in the country now adopting the No Wait app. So. What a great use of video as a contact marketing campaign. Yeah, and tablets are even cheaper now. They are, and they're, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can even ask for them back. I mean, you don't even have to gift them. <laughs> yeah. It gets even cheaper. So mm-hmm. That's good. And then, you know, things like um, offering information and insights, and I would actually add to that research, something that's useful to help the executives see around corners, to see into the future. Yes. And events are great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's over the top, you know, the, God, we, well, they were the most outrageous stories that I heard. One, in one case, Rick Bennett uh, owned this, this small agency in the San Francisco Bay Area a while ago. And one of his clients who owned a tech startup approached him and said, I want to, I want to present my business to Larry Ellison as a, as an opportunity for, uh, for an acquisition, but I have no idea how to get in front of him. And we're talking about, you know, Larry Ellison, the guy like who's... Like third wealthiest guy in the world or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, he owns the island of Lanai, the entire island of Lanai in Hawaii, and he's probably one of the most difficult people to reach. Founder of um, Oracle, and yes. he takes care of the uh, the America's Cup with his yep. pocket change. That's right, won it twice. I mean, you know, amazing guy, and, yeah. and, and also probably one of the most inaccessible people in the world. And mm-hmm. so... So Rick Bennett had this great idea. He said, okay, I, I got you. And what he did is he produced a contact letter and at, really as a full-page ad, and then they ran it in the Wall Street Journal. And I think that's pretty – I don't know if I can swear on your show. I've I got to watch it. but It's been done. Yeah, It's pretty 
Audacious, I got to tell you. Well, it worked. It. Finish the story, though, because yeah. So, well, so first thing is, you know, you would think it's a pretty safe bet that Larry Ellison himself reads the journal, and he probably saw the ad. Mm-hmm. But what made it audacious isn't that it was that all of the people who had direct access to Larry, his friends, colleagues, um, you know, confidants. Well, they also read the journal, <laughs> and <laughs> and they were calling him all day long, saying, "Hey, Larry, did you see this thing in the journal?" And and the the upshot of all this was that the they did break through the meeting happened and they made the sale and it was a three hundred and fifty million dollar sale yeah and you know against the ten thousand dollars that was spent and that's a lot think about that a ten thousand dollar cost per contact figures yeah, but, but compared to uh, that's probably the highest ROI of anything you've talked about that's probably a higher, higher ROI than the what you had when you spent a hundred bucks exactly to get started it is I you know I. I I thought I knew what it was, and then I realized, I, preparing for my speech this week at the CMO Summit, and I, I thought, you know, I better, I better just divide that out. And it, it came out to 3.5 million percent. It's a number that, I mean, like... When, when, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it's just these numbers, these, these metrics are just, they're just bizarre. They're, they're, they're like from another universe. Yeah, really, yeah. From contact marketing. Well, let me ask you a question that I think is important for the listener to understand. What what is the difference between a sales stunt and a contact campaign? Because mm, we're, a, we're not talking about the question. same thing here. Great question. I think one of them one thing is just um, scalability and just what, what does it does it create new um, does it create a, a I don't know credibility and a relationship or is it just a manipulation mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, I, I did hear stories of people camping out in the CEO's parking lot with a lawn chair and donuts and saying, gee, I'm sorry that, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm in your spot, but can I talk to you while we walk up to your, to, to the front door? Um, I, those kinds of things I think of as, as being sales stunts. Yeah, they're, they're like kind I of showy they or, they, just, or they're just interrupting. Yeah, I mean, it's the, I think they have their place. They're probably very useful, but uh, but that's not what I was. One of, that's not what I wanted to focus on with how to get, get a meeting with anyone. I wanted to focus on unearthing this really this hidden shadow form of marketing that emerged as I was doing these interviews for for the book. There, you know, there's this thing that people have been doing. Every time I speak, um, people, someone in the audience will have a story. Of their own campaign that they run, that they've run, and and the funny thing is, no one had a no one's had a name for this, and so yeah, I'm I'm looking to define that and and just uh, you know explore what the knowledge base is because it's a huge knowledge base. The reason is that a lot of people have been doing it and just didn't know that they were doing it. They were just coming up with this outrageous campaign like the No Wait app campaign, and just that's how we're going to launch. But it. it you know, it was all done in isolation. No one's had names for these things. Yeah. There, there's uh, one part in the book where you explain it, and this is what really resonated with me, because having read it, I felt there was a very clear line that you were trying to draw between stunts and contact marketing. And it mm-hmm. was very clear by reading it, but I don't want people to confuse the two. And you said the sales stunt might elicit feelings of awkwardness or perhaps anger for having been manipulated. That yeah. is not what contact marketing is about. Well, who wants to be manipulated? I hate <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and whereas, whereas um, much of contact marketing is about, I think, su- surprise and awe. And delight. Yeah. 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 So uh, one other thing I want to talk about, though, is executive assistants, 
those kind of people, a lot of people, particularly salespeople or anyone that's trying to get in, they have this disdain for executive assistant gatekeepers. Yeah. And, and why do you like them and why are people so terrified of them? Let's, let's, let's get everybody's head straight on this. Sure. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, people describe them as gatekeepers and they think of them as people that are, I mean, they think of them as obstacles. And they're, they, when they talk about them, they often talk about, well, how do you get around them? And, and that's all just completely the wrong approach. The fact is, executive assistants are VIPs themselves. You know, they, they report, if we're talking about the CEO's executive assistant, it's usually a woman, but not always, but I'm just going to call it her for now. Mm-hmm. She reports to the CEO just like all the other C-level executives. Mm-hmm. Her work is just as, val- as valuable and visible as any of the other C-level executives. He or she is a VIP themselves. And really, you, what you should be thinking of them, or as, rather than gatekeepers, is as, uh, as talent scouts. Mm, yes. Because really what they're, you know what they're, you know what their real job is? It's, sure, it's to keep the wrong people out. That's part of it. But it's also to let the right people in. Yeah, you describe them as vice presidents of access. Yeah, VPs of access. Very interesting. You just got to change the way you see them because they can, actually some campaigns have focused just on the, on the executive assistants, Mm -hmm. you know, because they've got, they've got that much influence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, so if they, if you think of them as, as VPs of access or as a talent scout, then your job really is to help them see the value in you and who, why you're, why you're reaching out. Um, give them the ammunition they need. So for example, when I send a card, a cartoon around again with the, with the, uh, the disclaimer that you don't have to be a cartoonist to do this, but I'm just telling you my, my own experience with this, you know, I'm, I'm one of the wall street journal cartoonists as well. And so when I call up and I say uh, to the executive assistant and I say, hi, my name is Stu Heineck. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, a Hall of Fame nominated marketer, and an author. And I have this. And or maybe a guest I don't even go on the Marketing Book Podcast. Yeah, and and that's right. Yes, um, I've been a guest there, so I yeah. know, and I know Doug. So, <laughs> so no, I want you but, to be successful, Stu. <laughs> so uh, you know, but when I say to them, "Okay, I've got this print of a, a cartoon about your boss," and and sometimes it's, I'm using one of the cartoons that was in the journal. So I can say, I have this print of a cartoon that was in the Wall Street Journal and it's about your boss. It's two statements that are true. They're not true together. It's, it, it wasn't in the, I mean, in the Wall Street Journal with your boss's name. But, and I'll clarify that with them. But anyway, just hearing all that, they're saying, really? And, I, and, I, and I'll just continue to say that, you know, although I want it to be a surprise to, the, to your boss, I don't want it to I don't want it to be a surprise with, to you. So I wanted to coordinate with you. Would you mind if I send you an email just with these details so that you, you don't have to remember them or, or have to repeat them? You can, you can pass along if you need to. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be great. This sounds really exciting. I mean, that, those are the kind of reactions I get. And then, yeah. and then also, would you mind if I send a, uh, a tracking number once I have that so then you'll know when it's coming? Oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, by the time it gets there, by the way, the other thing I will do is Quickly is I'll send a thank you uh, card with a cartoon about the about the executive assistant really quickly a handwritten note saying thank you for your help on the phone that's it and uh, hopefully that gets there even before the big board does and by the time my contact piece gets there you know to reach the executive that 
executive assistant is on board. They're, they're, they're almost like quarterbacks for your internal quarterbacks for your yes, campaign. Yes. So that's the way you need to read. That's the way you need to think of them and treat them. They, they have to be part of your campaign. Yeah. And that was a, I would say, uh, one of the foundations of the book is, and that's why you put it in the beginning, obviously, but explaining that whole approach. Uh, so it's not, and, and then, and the other thing I should add is that, so you, you explain this, this mindset that you have to have for success. Then you go in and you give all kinds of detail of all these different examples that you've had. But then at the end of the book, um, for those uh, people who might suddenly feel like the dog that caught the car they've been chasing, what do I do now? Um, yep. you, you then go, so, okay, so now you've gotten in. Now what? <laughs> so you don't, you don't leave well, the reader yeah. hanging. You're just like, okay, great, you've gotten in. Now there are some other things that have to happen once you've got the meeting. Yeah. Well, you know, you, um, obviously, if you show up with something that's not of value to the, to the, to the executive, you're going to get shut down really quickly. You need to know what, what's on their plate, what's on their agenda, what are they trying to do? Not, it's not just, not what, just what about are they doing the now, meeting. but what are they trying to do in the future? And understanding that, the, that their, their scale of time, particularly if you're talking to an, an actual CEO, their scale of time is different from most people's scale of time. They're not really thinking about what's happening today. They're thinking about what's happening in, in a year, two years, five years, ten years. Yeah, they yeah. want to know, they want to be at the presage, they want to presage what's coming so that they're there in position to take advantage of it. And um, what you're bringing to them better fit that criteria. And you need to be able to say it pretty quickly and, and ultimately provide value. Or maybe it's not even providing value, but just engaging in a conversation that helps them get somewhere that they want to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you, it's so basic, it's so basic, you know, and some salespeople will say, well, if I get the CEO on the phone, I'm pitching them. That's just the wrong approach. Oh. In fact, in the book, I called it an anti-pitch. You just really want to get in and have a conversation. I, 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 uh, um, good friend of mine, just I, I, a new friend, but a good friend of mine, Curtis Brooks, says it well when he's, he's saying that you that the salespeople have to develop a proficiency about how to have these conversations and how to know what it is to even speak to them about. But then also once, once you get in to actually to be positioned as someone that they, that they can have these conversations with that actually helps them figure things out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's um, not just about getting the meeting. No, and it's not about pitching your product. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it might be just about saying, you know, we, we have this solution. We've worked with other companies in your industry and and it's actually worked quite well for them and I'd love to have a just an exploratory meeting. I don't know if it'll work for you. Yeah. But why don't in we fact, have your an credibility is higher. find out? Your credibility is higher if you say I'm not sure if we're gonna be able yeah. to help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the opposite of when you go to the car dealership and uh they say, Hi, uh, what can I help you with? And you say, Well I'm I'm looking at a car I'm looking for a car and the salesman says have I got the car for you? Yeah, I already know everything you want. <laughs> Without ever <laughs> asking right. any questions. So, so Stu, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Well, I think it's the thing that I said at the beginning, which is that there are people out there who can change the scale of your business, your life, your career. And really, it's that contact marketing gives you the, the ability to break through. And once you have that ability to break through, all kinds of things open up in your life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it brought to mind the idea of a lever or leverage. I mean, just just that one that one relationship, just a few, these few steps you have to do can really be a big game changer. They can. 
What books have inspired your work and career? Guerrilla marketing. And you, you noticed that I had um, Jay Conrad Levinson write the foreword for my book. Yeah. Um, I, I think that might have been the last thing he ever wrote. I think it, he it, said it was only within a month he passed away. He passed away, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was a big. It was just a big honor to know him. Actually, yeah. I, I know him and came to know him because uh, of his books, and then also because he was he, he and um, the other speakers in his guerrilla marketing tour were speaking tour were talking about the cartoon stuff that I was doing. So mm-hmm. we had a, we've had a, we had a long relationship, and um, yeah, I would and, think and that just that the, approach. If listeners uh, uh, like this book, if they like guerrilla marketing books, they're going to like this book. Yeah, I was going to say the approach. These approaches are really in the same, in the same spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, making big things happen from small investments. Yeah. Uh, so there's that, and then one other one would be Winning Through Intimidation, which is an old book, yeah. uh, written by Robert J. Ringer, and I just love the stories of how he he transformed his business um, by by presenting a completely different experience of him. And meeting with him. I mean, he, instead of greeting uh, greeting cards, instead of calling cards, he had this little book booklet made up, and it was just it started with just a picture of the Earth. That was it, and it was I don't even remember if there was anything else in the booklet, and it was just minimal stuff. People would look at it and they think, well, geez, you know, he's saying something really important here. And then he would meet people. He'd, he'd fly into town. He what he used to do is sell apartment buildings. And so the commissions were pretty pretty high. And rather than meeting at the at the place or driving out or whatever, he he would fly into town on his Learjet and have the client come out to the Learjet and they'd have meetings on the Learjet. And sometimes he'd take them up so that they could view the the apartment complex from the air or something. But but just that experience of being on the Learjet was a very special experience. And it changed their impressions of of him, who he is what it would be like to work with him and, uh, and, and raise the value of that. I mean, literally raise the value of what, what they were willing to pay to work with him. Hmm. So that was a really, really, really interesting, just the psychology behind what he did was very, very interesting. And I have to say in some ways, uh, I think influences what, what I was discovering about contact marketing later. Yeah. I think that book, if I'm not mistaken, came out in the seventies. It was a long time ago. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to look into really that one. That's, that's interesting. Stu, how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? Well, um, well, first of all, they can. It, the book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Indigo, Audible, Ben Bella Books, uh, really basically anywhere. I, I, I actually found – I'm on a little island north of Seattle, and we've got a little town called Langley, and I found it in the bookstore there. So it's in, in a lot of bookstores. Yeah, I, I found um, it in my bookstore here in Virginia, and I've already posted it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. That's right. You, you, sent a, you sent a picture of it. That was cool. Yeah, just a message uh, to any authors that want to be on the show. Um, when you are on the show, you do get a lifetime uh, complimentary uh, in-store display support. So when I see one of the author's books in the store, I go ahead and pull them out, you know, so that people will – it'll be facing out. Yeah, just it was a cool. I saw it and was like, "Oh my god! I've got to, I've got to tweet that thing and get it all." It got me very excited. Yeah. But um, the other thing is, you can get a you can get a sneak preview of the of the book on my author site at stuheinek.com. So s t u h e i n e c k e dot com. And we'll have that link at marketingbookpodcast.com in case people uh, have trouble finding it. Yeah, and there's there's one other really exciting thing I'd like to tell you about, which is that. Um, this has been a busy month, uh, and so earlier this month, I, I was in this 
uh, intensive shooting schedule. We shot a lot of video to produce with NASP or National Association of Sales Professionals a new behavioral program. It's a 30-day program called The Power of Contact Marketing. So that's that's going to be available on NASP.com. Oh, great. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and we'll make sure to link that up uh, if it's, if when we publish it, or if it's not ready by the time the show publishes, we'll add it later. So Wonderful. The name of the book is How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, The Untapped Selling Power of Contact Marketing. The author is Stu Hynek. Stu, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Doug, it was what a, what a great pleasure it was, and, and what a great honor and pleasure it is to share this content with your audience, because, you know, I, I bet a lot of them are using contact marketing right now, and they might not have even been realizing it. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. Very true. And that closes the book on episode 82 of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for links to all the things we talked about in this interview and access to free marketing guides from my agency. And while there, make sure to sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. Do you have a question or perhaps a book recommendation? It really makes my day when I hear from listeners like you. Let's face it, modern marketing is moving pretty quickly. If I can help answer your question or point you in the right direction to get the information you need, please let me know if I can help. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or connect with me on LinkedIn or heck, just tweet me up using hashtag marketingbook. And please join us next time as we talk with Jeffrey Cologne about his new book, Disruptive Marketing, what growth hackers, data punks, and other hybrid thinkers can teach us about navigating the new normal. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.